Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with us today, we have a very special guest joining us here in the show. But first of all, we want to stop and give a very special welcome and thank you to all of the listeners out there for continuing to support the show. This is it, y'all. The season six premiere is upon us. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a great five-year run so far here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. 2024 is here and we have a great schedule lined up for you for season six so many great albums that we're touching on albums this year we're covering from 94 99 and 04 it's going to be jam-packed y'all we can't wait to share all the albums that we're about to cover here this year on the vault as a reminder make sure y'all go on to vaultclassicpod.com once again it's vaultclassicpod.com to check out all of our shows back archives all the guest profiles of all of our guests who have been here and of course make sure you're going to the merchandise shop as we said we're in the midst of winter right now make sure you're going to get your hoodies your sweatshirts all the tumblers phone cases all the things you want to talk about we have right there in the merchandise store on vaultclassicpod.com so make sure you go there check it out and drop us a line as well by getting to our social media pages from that website as well as we always like to say here on the vault our motto is hashtag open the vault hashtag nothing but the classics and mbtc And today, to kick it off, we have a doozy. But before we get into that, I want to welcome our special guest here to the stage and give him a shout out for coming to join us here today for this very special episode in this season six premiere. Joining us here today in the vault, he is the host of the Scenario Radio Show. Of course, they have a show that covers a lot of things when it comes to pop culture, hip hop, R&B. I was a guest on a couple of his shows so far. One was a discussion about the most anticipated hip hop debut albums. We had a discussion. It was a great one. And then not recently as well, we also had a discussion where we talked about the best R&B albums of the 2000s. And of course, I put my contender into the ring and y'all can go ahead and check out his radio show. Check him out on YouTube and on his platform to make sure to see how those discussions went. But joining us here, of course, is none other than Van Everett of the Scenario Radio Show here to chop it up with us here in the vault. Van, welcome, brother. Hey, man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, Congratulations on your sixth season, starting out season number six, man. Sounds great. Hey, thank you, man. It's a blessing. You know, it's a blessing. I told myself when I was going to do this, I said, you know, I'm going to give it maybe a year or so to see how it goes. Uh And then afterwards, you know, if I feel like doing it, we'll see what happens, man. And then right in the midst of all this stuff happening, COVID hit. And it seems like everybody was getting involved in the podcasting at that point. So yeah, I wanted to stick it out. I knew a lot of people that started podcasting at or around the time that I started, especially when COVID hit. And a lot of them folks aren't podcasting anymore, man. So it's a blessing to be here still with something to talk about and something to be invigorated about. So I want to thank you for coming over, of course, and uh, joining us here for this review. But before we get to the review, just give everyone a rundown of the scenario. We talked about a couple of the topics we when I was on there. And, of course, I loved yeah. being on there. And the discussion was really, really dope. And I told Van on the last episode for the 2000s R&B album topic, I said I could be on here and talk another 30 minutes about this. So, But give <laughs> yeah. us a rundown, man, about your show, what it's about. And just, uh, you know, of course, what people can look out for as far as content when, like, what type of things you tackle and if, 
somebody has a particular interest who might be looking forward to listening to your show and watching your show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the scenario radio show, or as we often call it, the scenario now is real talk with a playlist for us. Then the whole idea is that we wanted to have a space Mm -hmm. where black people could have discussions about everything about whatever whatever ideas or concepts that we thought were important at that moment and always center black people in the conversation because a lot of times there are these conversations going on but some of the aspects of it don't consider what does that mean for me as a black person so mm-hmm. if you're you know thinking about adopting and you don't really know much about adoption we've had a show where we talked to people who had been adopted people who had adopted and what that process was like for them and the things that they need to consider as an african american we as you know talk about r&b we talk about hip-hop so it's not a subject that we do not cover mm-hmm. but we always make sure to center black people's experience in those discussions and for us the big thing is for me because I'm a former musician is that when I was on the road with other musicians and we're having all these conversations music is always going in the midst of all of this stuff so music is always a part of everything that we're doing that's why we call it real talk of the place so every episode that we have has a corresponding playlist that goes along with whatever the topic is mm. so no matter what we do we just did a show on cosmetic surgery and how that affects black people we've got a whole body image playlist and it's got mm. all of these different songs about body image and things of that nature so that that's how we get that down most of the time on, on the scenario you know we, we want everybody to listen but yeah. it's definitely centering black people and black adults and their experiences more so than anything i'm a gen xer so we got a lot of, a lot of gen xers because they you know my sensibilities lean towards something that they want to hear but we got we got a lot of elder millennials and millennials involved in, in the show as well so yeah elder millennial would be me i'm right there right behind <laughs> you man so i definitely understand and yes, sir. Uh, note, noting everything that you talked about there and having the space for black people to talk about these issues is something that's very important because I find, if I may, what I find in the podcasting space is that sometimes we go into topics and things that we consider to be black centric or black people centric and they're not Uh necessarily productive, you know? So Uh I believe what y'all are doing over there is important work because it is productive and having those conversations and also making it entertaining by having the playlist, man. To me, the playlist, I think, engages the listener just so much more that they can connect with something that is familiar with them along with the conversation. Sort of like having a talk show with a commercial break, you know, and a commercial uh-huh. break. I mean, I, I liking it a lot to like the way the Teen Summit was, <laughs> how you would have the yeah. music videos and the segments in between the discussions, you know, and that was a really engaging part, which kept me engaged in that television show when I was coming up. So that that harkens right back, like you said, to our generation, man, Gen X and the elder elder gen y millennials so yeah yeah. because you gotta remember music informs our experiences Mm -hmm. and and so for us we not only have the playlist of course but our guests get to pick a song you know Mm -hmm. and and what i've learned in life is is that if you get a person to tell you about a song Mm -hmm. then you get to hear something about their story you get to hear an aspect of their life that otherwise they may not have shared with you and it allows us to you know the listeners to build those relationships so that's one of the reasons we always have you know our guests come on they pick a song they talk about the music that they love and while they're telling you that stuff they're usually telling you about their upbringing or something or some experience they had so it's a really good way for us to connect yeah I mean, there's so many things we talk about on our show in particular that we said when we talk about this music and these albums, it brings you back to those times that you experienced when that album first came out, when you first heard that song, that single, you know, and what the feeling it is that you had during that time as well. People connect through their experiences through that when they hear 
you know, whether they see visually the videos or hear the songs and it brings them back to that time. And it does inform to you a little bit about what they were going through during that time of their experiences. So that is awesome, man. That is awesome. So we're going to go ahead and move through to the review. And as you know, we do these, these classic and potential classic albums and vans on here to help us break down our very first one for season six. And man, is it a good one? So we're going to go back 20 years ago. And we're going to go back to February 10th, 2004, to a very important album. Matter of fact, I would say it was an album that started a movement for a particular artist that has become a lightning rod for, I guess you could say, controversy in some sense, and also Mm -hmm. a lot of discussion. But during this particular time, he was just trying to carve a name out for himself just beyond what people knew him as. And it started him on one of the best, I would say, three to four year runs. That an artist has had in recent history. So we're going to go to the debut studio album of none other than rapper and producer Kanye West, the college dropout Mm -hmm. on Def Jam and Rockefeller Records recorded between 1999 and 2003 at many different studios. But just some of the studios that was recorded at was Baseline Studios, Time Dreamer, Light at the End of the Tunnel, and Quad Studios in New York City, as well as Sony Music in New York City, Conway, Larrabee in Los Angeles, Digital Insight Studios in Las Vegas, The Enterprise in Burbank, California, and The Record Plant in Hollywood, with a runtime of 76 minutes, 13 seconds. The producer on this, Mr. West himself, of course. (laughs) And on the singles from College Dropout, the singles, a who's who's list of singles when you talk about singles on here. The first one, Through the Wire, released in September of 2003. Slow Jams, released in December 2nd, 2003. All Falls Down, featuring Selena Johnson, released in February 2004. The ever-important Jesus Walks, released May 25th, 2004. And New Workout Plan, released in August 2004. So if you're following that, almost a year's worth of singles were released throughout that 12-month period. And really starting to run the, the charts, for those of us who remember, at and around that time. The features Uh on this, many different features and artists who featured on this debut album from Kanye West. Very unusual for a debut artist making his start in the industry to have this many features. Selena Johnson, as we mentioned before, and All Falls Down. GLC and Consequence, who had worked with Kanye before. Jay-Z, and also spoken word artist Jay Ivey, the likes of Talib Kweli and Common. Jamie Foxx and Twista, Ludacris. Most Def, Freeway. I mean, we run down the list of all the different features on here, and that's not even mentioning the musicians that also featured on this, and as well as the choirs and also singers on Uh here, such as John Legend, such as the Boys Choir of Harlem, and also instrumentalists such as Murray Benner, Ari. So many different people on here that featured on this album for a debut album that I would say was more than likely four years in the making as we find out through the making of this album van that it was an mm-hmm. album that took him four years to record and by the time it came up in 2003 heading into 04 to have this done it was something that he had planned out to be as epic as we expected it to be after hearing those first four singles understanding and knowing that he had just signed with Rockefeller Records not too long before this album came out so lots of topics around this album It holds a special time in my heart here before we even get into it, though. And during this time period, like I said, it started a period where Kanye West had a three to four year run where he was probably one of the three best hip hop artists as far as when it came to content, quality of music, and also the commercial performance as far as the success of his album had as far as sales was concerned. And now we're going to go ahead and get into it. First thoughts and reflections. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Van. College Dropout, Kanye West, February 2004. 
your first thoughts and reflections and when you heard the album anticipation when it was coming out because we heard those singles that we talked about that came out before yeah. the album was released and we knew the buildup was sort of coming so what was your first reflections of Kanye West College Dropout when the album first came out you listened to it for the first time and in that time since the album has come out what has been your thoughts about the album now that we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary of it yeah. Okay. Well, as far as when anticipating it, I was deeply curious about what it was going to be because, you know, just hearing some of the stuff he had already done, it was like, okay, we're going to see, I'll be interested to see what this brother can do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I didn't carry a lot of expectations in not bad or not negative or positive. I just was like, I'm curious to hear what he's going to do. Funny thing is I didn't get to actually hear it maybe until a month after it dropped because i was when it had dropped i was overseas in uh south korea mm-hmm. traveling with a band doing you know, doing some uso gigs and i can remember a time or two different cats just coming you know talking to different people about music and they were like you heard that kanye the new uh you know his album and i'm like no i haven't had a chance to check it out yet and everything and they were like oh man it's dope you know this at this time you're not really pulling a lot of things offline so it's just like i just well i'll get to it when i get back home so you about march i get back home mm-hmm. to the states get my hands on it. And I was really impressed. I was really impressed. It's one of those albums that as soon as I heard it, I recognized what I was hearing. Mm. Um, there, there are only a handful of albums. I think that, are, that are like that. Some albums you, you, you like, okay, this is a good album, but you don't really know what it's going to be or what the, its potential is until you've kind of lived with it a little bit. This was one of those albums. It's like when I first heard three feet high and rising by, uh, De La Soul is like, oh, I know what I'm hearing is something that's going to kind of reconfigure the way we think about hip hop. When I first right. heard Tupacalypse Now by Tupac, is like, oh, this is going to be something different. And this was mm-hmm. along those lines. Yeah, I was really pleased because I really enjoyed the humanity and the vulnerability yeah. that he had brought with it and everything. You know, there was some indicators of that, like with Through the Wire and things, because he has a bit of a sense of humor with his approach to it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is better than I was expecting it. And again, it wasn't because I was thinking it was going to be terrible. It's just that I didn't have a tremendous amount of expectations in one way or the other. I was just like, well, he's done some dope stuff so far. Yeah. He's a good producer who's got a, making a name for himself. Let's see what he can do when, when it's on his shoulders. Uh, didn't know at the time that he had spent, you know, that much time, you know, over those many years working mm-hmm. on the album. But yeah. when you listen to it, you can tell that there's been, it was recorded in a lot of different places. And he was doing it as he went along as where he could, when he could and, and trying to kind of piece it together, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah. Indeed. Yeah, man, that uh, listening to it and it's important. You said about the fact that you knew and recognized what it was you were listening to when you heard it, that this was going to be something different. And I think the underlying message of this is that this was going to be the outlier of so many different things we talked about hip hop wise, especially during that time period. You know, Mm -hmm. like hip hop always looks like something different throughout the ages. Like you get into the 80s, it looks into something, the early 80s into the mid 80s and the late 80s going into the 90s, it looks like something different. Then right after the chronic change, right around the chronic death certificate, doggy style it looks like something different then you get into the illmatics and ready to dies and the reasonable doubts and the me against the worlds and machiavelli's and it looks different then you get into the life after deaths and the puffy and you know mace and then Uh everything starts to change again then you get into the 2000s and things are being dominated by certain sound you know then hip-hop starting to spread its wings a little bit more because then you're starting to see people from other regions dominate from so many different other and sounds are starting to differentiate during that time. 
So for me, college dropout dropped when I was actually still in college at Morgan uh-huh. State University. And the initial message of what the album was saying was pro and also anti everything that we were supposedly in school for, right? And uh-huh. it was sort of like the whole thing about, hey, don't let others tell you what your destiny is or what it is you're capable of. Make your own path of it, right? That was sort of pro what we were in college for and then also anti everything else because it's like, hey, yeah, we want to be able to control our own destiny, but we can't do that dropping out of college at the same time too as well, right? Uh-huh. But it was Rockefeller. And during that time, Rockefeller was one of the two or three biggest rap labels at the time. Plus, there was the hype of everyone hearing that first single of Through the Wire, the video that you saw, understanding and knowing all the recognition of all these big songs that he had produced during those times I had been in college. Like songs like H to the Izzo and Guess Who's Back and This Can't Be Life and, you know had all of us intrigued, right? Because we all knew these songs and knew them well. But then you heard the story about the accident and the car accident and how we overcame all of that just to record one, that song, but then also to make that album just to become known and respected as a rapper. Then the hits just kept on coming and coming and coming. The Jesus Walks, the All Fall Downs, the Slow Jams, all the deep album cuts that gained the popularity as a result of that. And like other albums during that time became the album that became a frequent contributor of the background soundtrack of what we heard during school, right? The dorm room windows being open, hearing it out from there, the cars passing through campus and you hear them pumping out of cars and systems through there passing by or sitting out in front of the dorm, somebody playing it out there on a speaker out in front of the dorm. It was undeniable to me, of course, that he had made his own place in the game, by doing it his own way. But then here's also the thing about it that, you know, you mentioned sort of this about it as well, is that he wasn't a prototypical Rockefeller act. Like he wasn't even uh-huh. a prototypical prototype of what a lot of rappers were during that time as well, right? Physically, yeah. what he looked like, what he dressed like, what he was talking about. And if you were going to group him in a group of people, you probably would group him in the, I guess you would call them at that time, backpack rappers. You know, you would put him in the group of like folks like the Native Tongues or Soulquarians, or Slum Village, or Hieroglyphics, or he was sort of an anomaly in that world where he existed in that world, but wasn't really of that world. And a lot of folks in that world didn't embrace him fully as a rapper initially. I mean, even Jay-Z didn't necessarily want him to rap. It was Dame that sort of pushed Jay to let him rap on become a Rockefeller artist and release his own album, you know, because they were hesitant to think about what he would be as an MC. His background was so much different around everybody down him because... He grew up differently than everybody else around him, too. So his subject matter was going to be different, too. And the thing that sort of flipped the whole thing on its head is that what our perception of him was, right? Because we accepted him for who he was because he sort of was like a lot of him literally was like us. You know, I mean, what Mm -hmm. we embraced him about was the fact that he was sort of himself. He was humorous. He talked about things that we would think about, you know, and he didn't really necessarily take himself too seriously. But at the same time, he wanted to be like, yo, I'm I'm serious about being a rapper. And I want you all to take me seriously about being a rapper as well. It was sort of like, regardless of what the industry's opinion was about him as a as a rapper and whether he would make it or not, he was like the loner and the egghead at school that got in with the cool kids at school, right? And they found out he had a little quiet swag about him, and that was likable. So that's what drew yeah. us to Francis Kanye is the fact that his story and persona was him, and it was him unapologetically. I also think it can't be ignored that mm. he was he was built for the era in which he came. Yes. So mm. now we casually mention all these things we know about Kanye as a person. Yeah. But that there's something to be said for the idea that we know these things at all. Yeah. Because the the, the era that came right before 
and he's not the person who started this, but he's somebody who's right at the center of that. Yeah. Uh, it, the era that came before was an era where we didn't really know who artists were. They gave mm. us a persona, yeah. and then we just kind of went with that persona, and really all we wanted was the music, and the persona was just something to kind of enhance what we were listening to and kind of be, uh, you know, an addendum to whatever it was we were hearing. Yeah. Whereas we were getting into an era where the internet is becoming more pervasive, mm-hmm. where the way we think of artists and their processes is, is changing. Yeah. And so when so what you have is you have a Marshall Mathers who we know who his mother is, who his daughter is, mm-hmm. what his relationships are like. We have a, a Curtis Jackson who's been shot this many times. We know about his background mm-hmm. and what all of that means. So you have all of these people who have their lives laid out in front of us. And their story is as much of a part of what we're buying into as the music that they're selling us. And so you get someone who is so willing and so passionate about their own story and willing to tell their own story Mm -hmm. in the way that he does. He's perfectly suited for this particular era in hip hop. And he does it in such a way that's so interesting Mm -hmm. that it just, it's, you know, sends him through the roof. It does. It does. And to me, I think that coming up, being a guy that did things that he did that was mostly a producer and a rapper and coming up and people sort of underestimating yourself, myself personally, I sort of resonated with Tim as that as well because it was like I saw something of myself in him as I saw mm-hmm. him coming up. And it was just like, here's the guy who's an underdog, right, who's an amazing producer. We talked about all the songs he's produced and people that he worked with, people who knew him. But as a rapper, he wasn't necessarily being taken seriously. But he found a way to be able to prove him, prove himself. And the greatest thing about him wasn't necessarily in his writing ability. I mean, because he wasn't the best MC in the world. But he had yeah. a, quite. Like I said, he had at that time a quiet confidence about himself, right? And sometimes even not so quiet. But then he also knew how to bring... <laughs> the package of everything together when it came, whether it was a beat or whether it was a breakdown and a bridge and a beat or whether it was a song or whether it was runs of tracks and an album or whether it was the album itself, he knew how to bring the whole thing together, right? And that was really the thing that was just like, okay, this guy knows how to do it. And even though you underestimate him, you cannot underestimate his skill of being able to do these type of things. Right. Yeah. That's what I think really just kind of drew a lot of us to us, man. And even the people in the industry to kind of looked at him, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of folks who looked at him and the stories are well known now. People looked at him kind of like a cornball. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> they kind of did. And they knew he was an amazing producer, but nobody ever thought he had stood the chance of being to become a number one selling artist one day. And, and eventually he did. And that was, I think, part of the thing that helped to embrace a lot. A lot of us, the fans, helped to embrace him so quickly because he was the underdog. He really was the underdog. So, yeah, that that, that was just a really good memories about bringing that time time up and hearing the album for the first time and knowing and being in school and seeing that that was the soundtrack of so many different sounds during that time, hearing college dropout and those tracks coming from dorm room windows and cars and out in front of dorms. Highlights yeah. and lowlights. So now we're going to get the highlights, Van. Give me some of your highlights of some of the tracks on College Dropout. And if you have any lowlights at all, go ahead and submit them. Highlights and lowlights. What you got? Um, I would say my highlight, the first half of the album is a real highlight for me. And I know it, when I say this, it sounds as if I'm attempting to diminish the second half and I'm not. Okay. But there is a level of emotional resonance that's happening on the first half of that album that's wow. rare in hip hop. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so to hear it, you know, to hear this person talking about all of these aspects of their struggles, everything from spaceship, but just, just the entire part of that first half of the album, it's, it's, it's hard for me to even narrow down mm. to one song. Um, I think one of the biggest highlights for me has always been all falls down. Ooh, yeah. um, I, I love what he's saying about his insecurities, about the insecurities that inform hip hop culture in general yeah. and the way that he talks about, you know, I love that he points out that there are people who profit from these insecurities mm-hmm. and, and he's, you know, is not shy about. So, so this, this ability that he shows on that song to be personal communal and then political all at once you know he, he keeps opening up spreading yeah. the circle out beyond mm-hmm. to just himself it's like no this is something bigger than just me yeah. and these things i'm struggling with so i've always considered that a highlight again I, I think spaceship is one that i would consider a highlight uh I, I like that not only because of him but also like that anyone who does uses a, a time signature and a time pattern that's a little bit different mm-hmm. than what people usually rap over. So yeah. what he's doing is nice there. And GLC comes through really nice. Oh, yeah. uh, what was interesting <laughs> when I first heard GLC was that I did not realize that he was from Chicago. I was like, yeah. this brother's got to be from Houston because mm-hmm. he sounds like he's from yeah. Houston. That's his very Houston approach. Yeah. But, but yeah, I always liked what what was going on there with that. The second half is good. It's just it's if if there were a low light, I guess that it's not as emotionally resonant. It's fun. It's mm. definitely fun, and I take nothing away from it. Uh, you know, a new workout plan is mm. great. Mm-hmm. A breathe in, breathe out. I love all of those songs. They're all fun. Mm-hmm. They're, they're having a good time on it, and they're doing some nice stuff. Mm-hmm. But I find it interesting that he was very intentional about front-loading the album with some very emotionally resonant, vulnerable music because that's a you you're taking a you know you're taking a risk he, he knew obviously he knew what he was doing yeah. but you're taking a risk in a genre where being vulnerable is considered you know whack a lot yeah. of times people say it's whack but yeah. some of our greatest hip-hop music has been vulnerable yeah opening song love that too you know just the whole thing you got your kids singing and everything mm-hmm. him just laying this out always having this he's he's doing this delicate balance between pain and humor Mm-hmm. And, and he's just selling it. He's selling it to us on those songs. So yeah, I think it's, it's really hard for me to just single out songs for highlights it's because of the entire mood that's being set on the, those sections of the album. Uh, and let me one last one last highlight. And this is one that I know I don't think people talk about enough. It's Jay Ivy on uh, Never Let You Down. Oh man, um, <laughs> that, it's already emotional. He's, yeah. he's working. Yeah. He understands emotional expression better than almost any other person in the in the genre. Oh yeah, and so he's doing. He's saying what he has to say. Jay Z's there. You ha- Jay Z is retired. So when you're hearing him, you're already excited about the prospect of hearing him on a song. Oh yeah, you, you know you don't know that he's coming back at some point. Exactly <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> but so Kanye's doing his thing. The song keeps building. They're adding strings. They're adding the choir. They're adding all of these things that keep ramping up the emotional impact of the song. And yeah. then you get Jay Ivy, and he's giving. This this piece of poetry that if you go back and listen to it, yeah, you know it's speak it's it's everything it's it's passionate it's confident it's aggressive, it's spiritual yeah it's it's a thing of beauty it really is a and then the song doesn't end after that but it's really a beautiful cap to what what's going on with the song and the what's being expressed there yeah. love it yeah man very good point about the whole thing about the emotional side that you get from that first half of the album 
And that is present through a lot of those different songs you mentioned, All Falls Down, Jesus Walks, mm-hmm. Spaceship, Never Let Me Down. Um, these are things that you get. And to me, if I have to say what you get in the second half of the album probably isn't as emotionally connected. But what you do get is a little bit more of that punch. And, you know, uh-huh. and especially in, the, in one of my songs that I'll get through in the second half, that is my highlights. But overall, my highlights, I mean, all, all the singles, you talk about them. Through the Wire is just the the sample, first of all, with Chaka is just, <laughs> come on, man. Hearing that and like hearing that in real time and knowing that my mind connected that to a song that I heard from my youth somewhere, right? Then uh-huh. also he knowing that he recorded that through a wired shut jaw, you know, because of the accident uh-huh. that he had. And he did that not too long afterward. The video also helped me connect to the, the what he was going through during that time because of all those... uh video clips that you saw and uh, behind the scene footage and eventually his chain and day at the rock concert that he eventually saw where he officially was announced as a member of the Rockefeller family um, Mm -hmm. helped to connect me with that all falls down. Oh man, that is crazy. Like you talked about the fact that, you know, he talked about the insecurities that he himself has and other people have and the, you know, the, the things that we wrangle over in regards to the internal conflicts of things that, you know, versus what we perceive as sort of success or not being successful versus having it all versus not having it all. And then having the interspersion of Selena throughout that. And the fact that she actually sung and was singing something that Lauren Hill had wrote, but didn't clear the sample. So he wanted her to have yeah. sang. And then a lot of us are then introduced to Selena as a result of that. Right. And her incredible voice. And mm-hmm. it's just an incredible, incredible track. When it comes to a song like Jesus Walks, though, Mm. that is just one of those things of an artistic creation and artistic mastery that comes out during that time where you have a song as depth in that touching on a subject that dare you talk about it in a secular side of music, right? That you creep into talking about uh, spiritual things, especially about Jesus is one incredibly risky and two incredibly brave. But then the song itself is just incredible with the choirs in the background and the vocals and then the arrangement of the vocals and then the beat itself, the drums, the the background uh, sound of the the platoon, you know, with the marching and the car. I mean, all of that. Then the lyrics themselves, the messaging of the song, it all just landed like a perfect tent, right? I remember watching, mm-hmm. I believe it was the VH1, I think it was the VH1, you know, songs that shook up America. And that was one of them they talked about. And, you know, Che, uh, Romfest, who, of course, helped write the song for Jesus Walks, was on there yeah. talking about them so making of that song. And that just gave me a whole new appreciation of that song as well. And then with Slow Jams, man, to bring on Jamie to do something like that and then that sample being used and then incorporating someone like Twista into something like that, right? Yeah. Where it's almost like a misnomer on the title of the song itself because of his style of rapping, right? But they made it work. And that was actually his first number one, number one song. That one was Slow Jams. And that was a huge song right there. But then when you get into the deep album cuts, you mentioned about Spaceship. And then, of course, like, you know, being in an off time signature or something like that and being able to rap. And that I connected so much with that first verse that he wrote, you know, and he talks about the whole thing about making beats every three beats every day for a summer, you know, (laughs) like when he talks about how he deserved to do these numbers because he put in the work. (laughs) <laughs> I connected with that would never let me down. And with Jay, obviously we were all sites to hear Jay and then her Kanye on that. And like you said, that song sort of builds the strings come in, the choir comes in. By the time you get to Jay Ivy, it's a full on composition. It's an orchestra at that point, right? Yeah. It has become a whole movement at that point. Like the movement and the entire symphony. 
when you get to other tracks, though, like the one track that I looked at more importantly than anything else that got me sliced about hearing the album was Get Him High. And when I saw that he was doing a song uh-huh. with Common and Quali, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And when I listened to it, I, I wasn't let down because you had Kanye open the track perfectly. You heard Quali follow that up and Common to close the track out. With that beat, it was just like, you know, perfect backpack stuff right there. And I love yeah. when people get into their backpack bag. So that I love that. Um Yeah, yeah, he was rapping like he had something to prove on, yes. on, on Get Him High. He obviously. did. He did. <laughs> and he he did. He did prove something to a lot of us there. Um uh-huh. two two words is incredible, man. It's incredible because the concept of it, the beat is incredible. Most staff comes on and gives one of the best opening verses I've heard. Um, somebody during that at least two or three year time period that I've heard somebody come on and do something. And this is when most Def was clearly right in the moment where he was at, I would say at the peak of his rapping ability, what he did, what Kanye did on that, what freeway did on that. And that was just another song that the beat built from that as well. Right. You got, as it got, yeah. became more and more intricate as the song became along that you heard, uh, the boys choir, like come in and just give that song just that extra push. That's the one thing Kanye did in his early productions is that he made these beats build. Like even before Lil Wayne talked about letting the beat build, he used yeah. to make his beats build up to something epic at the end. And by the time you were done, you would sit there and listen and be like, what the hell did I just listen to? Like what did, how did he come together to put the thought process of this together to make this beat? So like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that, uh, this album gets the recognition for movements in, yeah. in a song. Like in, in most pop music, they don't, you don't really have movements. It's like, you may have a verse and a chorus yeah. and a pre-chorus or whatever that are these sections. But a lot of his songs begin, he starts to have movements in it where this section of the song is starting to take a different identity than the, the beginning of the song. And mm-hmm. and that's something that wasn't done a lot in hip hop until this album, especially his second album, the album that comes after this, when he goes, he leans fully into it. Mm-hmm. But you can start to hear the beginnings of the idea of putting movements into songs, yeah. in hip hop songs here. You know, yeah. something that's usually reserved for classical music. Yeah. And Ray Murray talked about that during the Art of Organized Noise when he said that, you know, we came from a culture where songs used to be seven to eight minutes long in the 60s and the 70s, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and there would be movements within those songs. He was like, you would listen to a song, it would be one song within three minutes, and then you get the five and six minute and the song changes, and then the shit becomes beautiful after that, you know? Uh So that was sort of like Kanye sort of getting back to that whole part of that, man. The way that people used to make music in that era, that soul music, the same music he was sampling that they called Chipmunk Soul was the same way that he was taking how that music was being made and becoming it, making a beat, expounding upon that beat and making it a movement within that one, that one song. And it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing that a lot of, a lot of producers did. And you're right. He didn't get enough credit of being able to do that in his, in his beats. And I don't think there were a lot of producers that were brave enough to even attempt that, you know, cause musically he, he had a, a mind uh, to be able to sew some things together and put concepts together. And it was brave for him to be able to do that. And if it didn't work out, you face a backlash on it, but no, he did it and it worked out perfectly on these songs. Yes. Um, he was brave. He was brave, but he was also, as we've come to learn, very self indulgent. Oh, yeah, of course. A hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, breathe in, breathe out. I mean, I love that. That's a fun song, though, me with with, with having Luda on that on the hook. Um yeah. the other songs on here, man, I don't really have a huge problem with them either. I mean, you know, listening to the first few songs, um, like you said, the songs like We Don't Care and also hearing like New Workout playing, like you said, they're all sort of fun songs, Family Business, um, Last Call are all songs that are, you know, songs that are cool. 
Uh, last call as well, I thought was, you know, him sort of rapping at the end of it was a little bit too much for me at a certain point. Like, you know, uh-huh. him going through the whole process of him making the song. I'm just like, all right, dude, we get it. I understand. You're trying to. Yeah. But uh, hey, that's his own special touch, man. Self-indulgent, very <laughs> self-indulgent, you know. But but o- overall and all, man, just something, just a lot of highlights. Don't really have a whole lot of lowlights, man. Um, the skits and everything here, he plays strategically throughout this as well. Because whenever he wanted to make a point he felt like he put a skit in the middle of that album and that goes with, you know, around the whole thing as well. I mean, another highlight that I mentioned here as well, school spirit, being able yeah. to in- integrate Love the whole thing about uh school spirit that Aretha one, the fact that that's the only censored song on the album because Aretha would not allow her song to be sampled and clear yeah. the sample. If the song was vulgar, or had obscene language in it. So he made sure that that was edited and all the curse words or whatever he had were edited out. And so then he could add that sample. They said, we tried it. Then, you know, there were interviews saying, said, we tried it without the sample. It was whack. It didn't turn out right. So we said, all right, man, we're uh-huh. going to do it. This is the way we got to do it. But having the skits around school spirit, the skits in the beginning of the album, everything sort of just tied together, man. It really was. When you think about the dropout trio, as I like to say, so many of the things on the albums work together sort of like a book, right? Or even like a movie uh-huh. script. And so when everything's nothing is out of place here in this album. Everything is exactly where it needs to be. And that's the I impressive think, uh, thing about it. it- yeah, I think the skits, the importance of the skits is when you take an album that's been recorded o- over a long span of time and mm-hmm. it's been recorded in all these different places with uh, with obvious differences in sound quality. Like mm-hmm. there's a there's differences in the recording quality. Mm-hmm. There's probably differences in his process because there are things he learned in the latter part that he did not know in the earlier part. Those skits are the thing that allow all of it continuity. That even though there's this differentiation sometimes sonically between a song like School Spirit and a song like Slow Jams, because mm-hmm. sonically, if you actually not just stylistically, but sonically, if you listen to the recording quality of those two songs, yeah, they're two entirely different things. Absolutely. But they yeah. still belong part of the same body because of yeah. the, the way that the skits tie it all together. Exactly. And it's like it's important to have that kind of insight about how to sequence and create a body of work because yeah. a lot of people think it's simply just making the songs mm-hmm. and all these songs got to be talking about the same things like no there are all these aspects and what really will tie them together is those things that you decide to put between them they did that perfectly yeah if that concept in uh visual art they talk about composition of a work right and that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that's what sequencing is it's about making the composition of the work uh fluid and and that Kanye does it just about as well as anybody else during that particular this during that dropout trio mm-hmm. yeah notable quotables so notable quotables what is your notable quotable that you have here one that you want to point out about on this album van you know the two that stick out to me the most the most notable quote one is the third verse on all falls down Mm. when he that that run i love it because pop music doesn't get a lot of that yeah. i mean people say people will say some of those things but no, nobody wants to necessarily make it their single so when he says i say if the police that's how i treat them we buy a way out of jail but we can't buy freedom we buy clothes a lot of clothes that we don't really need them things we buy to cover up what's inside because they made us hate ourselves love their wealth that's why shorties hollering where the ball is at drug mm. dealers buy jordans crackheads mm, by crack, crack and the white man get paid off all, all of that, that. <laughs> it's like that is a summary yeah. for your ass it's yeah. a summary to you know it is to tie all of that together 
together yeah. uh, so succinctly. He said everything about what the song is saying mm-hmm. in those lines. He, he could have sold that by itself on a piece of paper, and it would have been just as impactful as everything else he did on the entire song. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's the quotable. And I will, I'm not going to try to go into the other quotable, but yeah. J.I.V., again, yes. if you if you haven't listened to that in years, go mm-hmm. back and just listen to the poetry that yeah. he has in that that piece on never let you down yeah yeah man jay ivy had some <laughs> he had some some lines during that man it's just like oh man if i were on your highest cliff on the highest riff and you slipped off to the slide and clitched onto your life in my grip i would never let you down yes. and when these words oh. are found let it be known that god's penmanship has been signed with the language called love <laughs> and that's what i mean yeah yeah, man. As, it gives you chills. Yeah, man. When it you does. first hear it, it mm-hmm. gives you chills. Absolutely. When he's saying it, you 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 you're hearing it. There's always something beautiful when someone can merge the intellectual and the emotional in such a way where yeah. you get both at the same time. Where your brain is stimulated and you are emotionally moved at the same time. It's powerful, and that's what he does with that. Yeah, 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 yeah man. Yeah, awesome. Now, I have a couple as well. The first one that I will point to will be two words, and it's the first verse by Most Deaf. And uh-huh. the way that this whole verse is just just incredible when you think about what he's saying in the order he's saying them and what he relays it to. And he said, two words, United States, no love, no breaks, low brow, high stakes, crack smoke, black folks, Big Macs, fat folks, XXC capsules, presidential scandals, everybody move. Two words, most deaf, K-West, hot shit, calm down, get back, ghetto people got this, game pump, lock shit, gun pump, cock shit, we won't stop shit, everybody move. Two words, BK, NY, bed too harsh, too hungry, too money, that's why, these streets no game, can't ball, don't play, every traffic one lane, everybody move. Two words, most deaf, black check, hot shit, calm down, get back, ghetto people got this, game pack, on lock, gun pump, cocked. We won't stop now. Everybody move. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now. Poetically painting the word with painting the picture with just two sets of words yeah, each time. To that's tell it. a story. Each of them. Each of them. What he talks about here in this, especially those first few brows, is that he says two words, United States, no love, no breaks, low brow, high stakes, crack smoke, black folks, Big Mac, fat folks, ecstasy capsules, Presidential scandals, everybody move. <laughs> mm-hmm. And considering the time frame that we're at right now, in 2003, 2004, those were all really, really, really big things during that time. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Crack smoke, black folks. Crack, of course, affecting our communities, black communities, much more harshly than so many other communities out there. Big Macs. This is right around the time Super Size Me came out. You know, <laughs> and the whole thing about McDonald's and the whole thing about fast food and foods, fat folks, ecstasy capsules. This is when ecstasy and stuff like Molly was really, really big. And that was really starting to make a move into popular society. Presidential scandals, pick them. Clintons or Bush with the Iraq war. You know, there's so many different things we talk about that that are pertinent within that verse. And most yeah. is one of my favorite MCs who's made, obviously, a name for himself and wrote recently for those of y'all who... who have heard about this the interview he's had recently talking about a lot of folks favorite rapper you know but um but yeah he's one of my favorite mcs out there specifically for this reason because his ability to be able to take his lyrics and take it back to basically what it is about everyday life and the struggle that we're we're dealing with as a people man um and then my yeah, it's yeah. Evocative. Evocative. Super evocative yes absolutely yeah. man my second one obviously as well is uh 
Get him high. And it's Kanye's verse from Get Him High. As we as we all said, like you said, he was rapping with something to prove. And he yeah. proved it here on this one. And he says, my flow is in the pocket like Wallace. I got the bounce like hydraulics. I can't call that. I got this word like alcohol. Licks my freshman year. I was going through hell of problems. Still, I built up the nerve to drop my ass up out of college. My teacher says I'm a loser. I told her, why don't you kill me? I give the fuck you fail me. I'm going to follow my heart. And if you follow the charts to the plaques or the stacks, you ain't got to ask who's back. You see, I'm so shy that you thought I was bashful. But this bastard's flow will bash your skull. And I will cut your girl like Pastor Troll when I don't know usually smoke but pass the drove when i won't give that money that you asking for why you think me and dame cool we assholes that's why we hear your music in fast forward and we don't want to hear that weak shit no more get get, get, get them <laughs> yeah. high and so many things in that verse first of all number one the fact that he decided to drop himself from out of college the fact that to even care if he thought he was a loser a loser and he references back at the end of those eight bars is that you ain't got to guess who's back. Talking about guess mm-hmm. who's back. The song he produced for Jay-Z and, and yeah. Scarface on the fix. Guess who's back. And he says, I'm so shy that you thought I was bashful. Shy, S-H-Y, as in thought he was bashful, but C-H-I, considering Chi-Town <laughs> of where he's yeah. from. They're very, very intricate right there. I love that. I love that. And the fact that he's talking about him and Dame. And he mentioned Dame's in particular, because like I said, Dame was the one who wanted to give him his shot to have him be an artist on Rockefeller and not just produce. And him and Dame were a lot in a lot of different ways. Like you said, some both of them are very self-indulgent <laughs> when it comes to things. Like, yeah. you know, when it comes to them being mouthpieces, they're very, very similar. That's the reason why I think Dame and Kanye sort of connected in that way because I felt like they also were underdogs in a respect, you know, and that they needed just to get that one chance to get them on, and they was going to kill it after that. So, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, he was rapping with something to prove on that on that verse, and like I said, quality and common gave that verse that beat on there is still to me one of my favorite beats on college dropout even though it's very very simple and as intricate as some of the others it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones on there man so yeah great work on there lots of great qu- quotables from a lot of different people kanye and others on there who featured yeah. on the yeah, album twister twister should never be overlooked i think i just want to mm-hmm. make sure i mention this because i believe that some people because what they do they always do it after a while we take for granted what mm. it requires to do to it to do it yeah twist is one of those people. oh yeah it's like you, oh yeah you're used to hearing twister rap like twister so you don't really think about how good he's doing it but if you yeah. go back and you're really listening you're like oh this this is one of the most exceptional people in the game oh by a long shot 100 percent. and the fact that he's doing it at a speed that other people couldn't do it at you know, when you think about what it takes exactly. to be able to rap, because he's basically rapping almost in double time. So he has to he mm-hmm. has to write twice exactly. as much as many words and verses as you do because yep. of how he's doing it. So, yeah. And he's not doing gibberish. He's not just rambling. Say, it's not just made up stuff. He's actually is a coherent thought. In, oh, no. In all of his stuff. He yeah. is spitting bars. You understand me? Yeah. And he's spitting them twice as fast as many people can. Three times as fast as so many people can. And and that is the thing that you had to think about is as long as he's been doing it. Right. A lot of people will say, oh, well, Twister just came around like, nah, homie, Twister had been around for a long time before Slow Jams came around. And for those uh-huh. of us who know and listen to listen to hip hop and been involved in the game and live, you know, reading stuff like the source and rap pages and stuff like that. We knew Twister had been around way, way long before oh, that. Yeah. And internally within the music industry, people have respected Twister for his game and noted that you ain't can't get it messed up, that they know he gets yeah. busy. 
So definitely props to you on that for uh, calling my man Twist out because he definitely did his thing on that. And I would have to say that that song is not as big of a song if Twista is not on it. You know, like yeah, it's can't, not the same thing. Definitely not the same thing. No, yeah. it's not the same song without Twista on it, man. Jamie and Kanye did their thing, but Twista brought that song to another level. That second verse. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Final verdict. So, man, here we are. Final verdict for College Dropout. What say you? Is this a classic album, essential album, dope, good, just okay, or something other than that to you? Got to go with a classic. Definitely a classic. I Again, hearing this album the first time, I knew I was hearing something different. You know, it's, it's you when you hear it again, you know you're hearing three feet feet high and rising straight out of Compton. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not it's a game changer of an album. Mm-hmm. Sonically, the attitude that it evokes is is game changing. The sensibility of what it means to be an, a rap artist you know, is defined by what's happening on this album. Like I mentioned earlier about this idea of us getting to know artists in a different way. Mm -hmm. Just the very idea that we come from a a long lineage of DMCs and Curtis Blows and LL Cool J's and Cool Mo D's and Dr. Dre's and Ice Cube's and Ice T's to a Kanye West, Mm -hmm. a Travis Scott, a Kevin Gates. This is, that's Kanye. That's, us opening the doors to something entirely different that yeah. we did not have before. Yeah. So yeah, uh, just b- based on the virtue of the impact that it's had alone, not to mention just how good the actual quality is. I- I've definitely got a rated classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic for me as well. And I always say that we can't sit here and talk about, Oh, we can't tell us tell an album with a classic right after you listen to it. Or you can't really say out. Oh, it's only been one year. It's only been two years. Man, I had the feeling that this was going to be a classic not too long right after I listened to it, right? I was mm-hmm. pegging it as such because I was just like, man, this is this is incredible. This is a, a song that you listen to that I'm like, I'm not going to forget this song in two or three years. I'm not going to forget this run of songs in two or three years. And then when I got through the album, it's like, I'm not going to forget this album in about two or three years and remember when did this come out. I'm going to remember. No, this came out in February of 2004. It was Kanye's debut album, and this set the world on fire in regards to, you know, its sonic quality, um, composition, the depth and emotion that it had, and how it sort of brought all of us into a picture of his life, you know, and really gave us a sense of like, you know, hey, uh, this is artistically coming from somebody from a different place within hip hop than we were usually used to. And it is a classic because so many people were influenced as a result of it. And if you look at what Kanye did afterwards, everything from the dropout trio, the late registration and graduation all stems from a place of it began right there at the dropout that that was the foundation, you know, Uh everything that you have after there, nothing on late registration and graduation is possible without that. It isn't. I mean, hell, I'll tell you this. Most of the stuff that you get from good music that happened over the next two or three years isn't possible without what was doing with the dropout. And I'm even including John Legend's Get Lifted. I'm even including Commons B, you know, and and we talk about two very, very important albums that were released over the next 12 months after this dropped. It, it is an incredibly important album when we talk about where the standing is with it for hip hop and what it would mean, not just for Hip hop, what it meant eventually for black music in general over the next decade or so, the foundation that it laid for what Kanye did with good music and what he would do with Rockefeller and the standing that it would make him as a decade later, we looked at him and been like, damn, this is what this led to him becoming. You know, yeah. it's a classic without a doubt. No ifs, ands, or buts about it for me. And when we look back on it now, 
We've been 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we'll be saying a lot of the same things. Hey, I, I don't know what we'll be saying about Kanye overall in those 10, 30 years afterwards, but at least we know <laughs> 20 years afterwards, we know he created a masterpiece and we'll marvel at it and are still marveling at it now 20 years later. Yeah, so, yeah. At least the, we'll always have the music. <laughs> yeah, we'll always have the music. Exactly. <laughs> and for those who know, know, as they say. But there it is, y'all. College dropout 20 years later. Make sure y'all go and check it out if you haven't already. And then hit us up on social media. What are your memories of college dropout? What are some of your favorite songs? And what do you think? Do you think it's a classic as well? And where would you put it in regards to the dropout trilogy? Hit us up on social media and let us know. And of course, we got to thank Van Everett for joining us right here on the vault to review college dropout. Man, I want to thank you again so much, brother. Now, for those of us who are not familiar with your platforms, one, where can they find you on social media, the scenario, and then where can they find you all? And do you have a release schedule? If so, let us know when you release those episodes. And do you have anything in particular over the next couple of weeks that you're planning on releasing that we should be looking out for? We are launching season eight really soon. Season eight is right around the corner. A lot of great shows. You'll be able to find there wherever great podcasts are found. You can always keep up with everything that we're doing at www.thescenarioradioshow.com. Mm -hmm. but we but if you put scenario radio in any social media you're going to find us on instagram mm -hmm. facebook all of those things the scenario is fairly easy to find like that uh, as far as what we've got coming up for season eight we've got some really great shows uh as you mentioned we've got a countdown where mm -hmm. our listeners vote on the greatest r&b album of the 2000s mm -hmm. and it's all listener voted so we'll be counting down the top 10 hearing from a lot of great personalities including my man b cox that's going to be great yeah. we've got a couple of really dope episodes we got one on uh, cosmetic surgery in the black community coming up we are also having a conversation about dating uh and we'll be talking to a black married couples about their first date because there's a lot of narratives that go around we're, we're pro-black love on on the scenario yes. so we always want to make sure that people know that what a good narrative sounds like when you're talking about black men and black women loving one another but yeah it. it's, a, it's a little bit of everything gonna be a fun year a lot of great episodes we got uh just one more for uh we've got an episode called winning streak coming up that's gonna be really good talking about the greatest three album run in hip-hop oh wow and what that is yeah. So yeah, make sure to check us out. That's awesome, man. And, and I love the fact that you all are talking to married couples about first dates because <laughs> as a married man yeah. myself, let me just say this. There's too many of y'all out there that are single talking about first dates and y'all ain't been on a first date and God knows how long. And yeah. listen to the people who have done it successfully and let us tell y'all exactly. And some of y'all will be dumbfounded when you found out what our actual first dates were. Exactly. And it's going to be a really enlightening show. I've already interviewed a lot of these couples and it's great to hear them talk about what it takes to make a relationship work. Uh, compared to people who are just trying to get clicks and tell you any crazy thing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. That's Van Everett from the Scenario Radio Show, y'all. Again, make sure y'all go check him out, ScenarioRadioShow.com. And anywhere on social media, make sure y'all go check him out. Man, listen, Van and his team do an amazing job. So make sure y'all go check them out. Hit up their platform. Make sure y'all subscribing as well. We want to make sure we support our fellow content creators out here in the world. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. 
To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.